0: We are twelve episodes into Outlander. Only one left, but before we get too sad thinking about that, let's let's talk about what we've got in front of us. I'm Carson. Thank you so much for listening to Talk Aboutlander. Thanks for your feedback too. I love connecting with everybody during the week on Twitter. It's at TalkAboutlander. Also through Facebook and Instagram. My other Twitter account is at Carson And this episode, the Bakra. We had so much supernatural, so much mythology, so many elements pulled out of so many different realms of folklore that I really feel it's it's so much more than we've seen in a while in kind of that hyper-paranormal reality, which, let's be fair, Claire has gone through the stones three times now. Yeah, there is a fantastical element to the show, but I think so many of us just kind of you know, take it as, yeah, of course you could go through stones. That's what happens. But this episode gets us back into that supernatural element right there out of the gates, the first scene. Even before we get to Jamaica, when Ian gets kidnapped and he gets on the boat and he bites his captor's hand. I mean, he takes a chunk. And I immediately thought zombie imagery if you're a walking dead fan which comes on right after outlander you know that rick took a good chunk out of some guy's neck to kill him you remember when eugene bit dwight right there in between his legs it really made me think of that zombie element and then we get to ian's holding cell where more of the ghost imagery that we'll see through the entire episode but those two men Henry and Abiku, who emerge, and all you see are the whites of their eyes, it's a little startling. It's very off-putting. This whole episode really had me on the edge of my seat. Now, Henry talking to him about the bakra, talking about the men that were held there before, interestingly, he mentions there were six. And I feel like six isn't going to play the part, but it is a multiple of three. And three is all over this episode, And we don't have to wait to see it emerge again. But we're going to get to that in just a second. Um, Did you notice Ian gets on the boat? He has no shoes because he'd been swimming. Uh, Ian gets to the prison or the holding cell. He has no shoes. And when they take him to the chamber of the bakra, suddenly he's got a nice new pair of shoes. So I'm wondering what that means, why we put that together. But as he's waiting on the bed, he's sitting and that leg extends, covered in blood And we hear the voice. We all know it's Gayless. And how excited are you to see her come back? Now, the imagery there is just hitting us in the face. I know that after the show, they were talking about the vampiric imagery. It made me think of Elizabeth Bathroy, who is the most prolific female serial killer of all time. Between 1585 and 1609, she murdered hundreds of young women to bathe in their blood to keep herself young. And not only is that a great historical nod, it's also a great way to talk about how Galus still looks as amazing as she does. And this time it's not young woman's blood. She's bathing in goat's blood. But I like that. The little bit of scientific talking about the iron. And that was what keeps her skin so firm. Now, as she's emerging and she's talking to Ian and she starts washing off, the first thing she does is wash her hands, which made me think Pontius Pilate washing his hands, sealing fate. And while, yes, she had to get clean It's just another great little bit of imagery that is able to be snuck in there. Now, when she gives Ian the opportunity to eat and drink, your first thought is like, you're you're not really going to do that. But this kid's been on a boat for how many months? He has been in a holding cell. He's got to be starving. And yet, we all know it's basically Alice in Wonderland sitting in front of us. And much like Alice in Wonderland, that potion... Does something to him. It makes him tell the truth. And Galus explains that's courtesy of a witch doctor, which now that we're in the West Indies, which is known for voodoo and hoodoo and all sorts of magics, are we surprised? That that has now come into play. And when she finally gets the information that she wants, she starts slithering across him. Look at her body. She's like a snake. It's, it's almost that biblical imagery of the snake and the apple and forbidden. And then when she talks about bedding virgins... Hands up if you thought about Hercules and all the... Ver- okay, maybe is that me? I took Latin for four years in high school. It was a thing. But I'm like, oh my gosh, we've got Greek and Roman mythology happening here. We've got the witch doctor. This this is crazy. And we're like barely five minutes into the show. But the most striking of all the things we're watching in this one scene is talking about the sapphires that she wants the three. She needs the trinity And it's that number three that's going to stretch across the entire episode. Now, connecting to those three sapphires, connecting to the jewels, the voiceover from Claire immediately, Jamaica is the jewel of the Caribbean. And when they disembark from the ship, there's Marsley and Fergus eating pineapple, which is traditionally a symbol of welcome. What's interesting is that Jamie and Claire don't eat that because as we come to find out at the end of the episode... Well, Jamie wasn't really welcome on this island. I mean, he would have been if it wasn't for Captain Leonard showing up, but that's a little bit ahead of the plot. So Claire and Jamie go to the slave auctions trying to see if Ian is among those that are going to be bought and sold. And Jamie says to Claire, before they head into there, we will not be separated again, which, thank God, because, yes, please stop separating. What happens? They get into the slave areas, and Claire moves along she goes forward she goes off without Jamie sees a man on the auction block and of course is devastated and angry and all sorts of things that you think would go through the mind of a 20th century person who knows how awful this is and didn't have it in their lifetime and she lets her emotions get the best of her and starts a full-on riot Jamie has to come to her rescue which was very reminiscent Of how he saved her back when she and Galus Duncan were accused of witchcraft. Which, yes, we already know Galus is going to be a part of the story. But what foreshadowing for Claire and Jamie that that moment with Galus is going to happen? In order to make the situation right, in order to straighten things out for Claire, in order to keep the peace, Jamie ends up buying this slave And what's interesting, when you watch the scene when they speak to him about wanting to find Ian, Claire actually kneels before him. So he has to look down on her. That is a position you would not expect most people of that time, that they would speak down to their slaves, not talk up to them. And even Jamie sits down to speak to him. So they're at eye level, which I love, speaks volumes about their character and the kind of people that they are, despite the fact that they're living in this world, that they're still trying to make this. Their differences which is what they've been doing all along so in order to get word on young Ian they have to go to the ball to the soiree that's being thrown by the governor of Jamaica and when they emerge from the carriage it's Jamie and Claire in clothes that they wore in Paris over 20 years ago and that's really where you see the ghost imagery for the first time I mean that's exactly what we're looking at. We're looking at the ghost of two decades ago. But, of course, they're fully fleshed out human beings and, wow, still look absolutely perfect in those outfits. I mean, is there a hotter couple on the planet? Well, before they've even entered the residence, that's where they run into Archibald Campbell, who is the brother of Margaret, who was having all the issues back in Scotland when that one weird episode where Claire just takes off to go. Like, oh, That episode was so... Oh, I felt like they hated each other the entire time, and I hate to revisit that. But I do like revisiting Margaret Campbell, so I'm all in for this. And what Claire and Jamie don't know is that they are there courtesy of Mrs. Abernathy, who is Galas Duncan. And Galas had been talking to them about the three sapphires, about the trinity, that she needed the three stones for the prophecy that would reveal when a Scotsman would be back on the throne, would be king of his country. So this is where we realize that all roads are converging on Jamaica, which I believe will come to light next week based on the previews. But there's part of it that's like, wow, how amazing of a coincidence is this? Galus Duncan is there. She's the one that's got Ian. And then here are the Campbells. And oh, speaking of coincidences, here's Lord John Gray. Oh, wait, before we get to him, can we talk about the sexiest look in the history of sexy looks that Jamie and Claire talking about Fergus and Marsley and how they're so obvious and so in love and pawing at each other? And then that look, that fire, that intensity that they are just after all this time, it's still there. They don't know what it is between them, but it's there. And that was like the hottest thing ever. And then Lord John Gray, who looks like he's seen a ghost because Jamie has already referenced that, oh my gosh, of all the places in the world, we are all in Jamaica. What I love about Lord John Gray is in five seconds, he has managed to ask the one thing, how, how are you here, Claire? Like the explanation she gave to Fergus was, you know, like, oh, I was in the colonies. Oh, all right. And Fergus just kind of kept it. Jenny wasn't thrilled at the explanation, but that was more from her emotional standpoint. Lord John Gray is like, Well, how'd you get here? And he stops his own party to bring them to a separate room like that is enormous. What's great, though, they never get to that part of the conversation because immediately Jamie asks about Willie. Of course, he's going to ask about his child and even having to say, yes, Claire knows about him. That's where I think it's very interesting, very quickly John knows the connection between Jamie and Claire. He's only really heard about it, save that one interaction when he was a teenager, but he'd only heard about it from Jamie. And now seeing it that, yes, Claire knows you fathered a child. She knows what happened. And she's still here. And they're still a team. And they're still together showing that unity. And obviously, John has got a few feelings for Jamie that he's wearing that sapphire on his clothes. That's... um. I don't know. It's very like keeping a strand of your loved one's hair. I think people used to do that in Victorian ages when you held on to your grandmother's ring. That this has an extreme place of prominence and importance that it's that close to him, which I think speaks volumes to Claire about how LJG feels about Jamie. Which, I mean, don't we all feel that way about Jamie? <laughs> Even leaving the room, Lord John Gray is is looking at Jamie like he still can't quite believe he's there. Because much like Jamie seeing Claire at the print shop, it's, I can't believe this person has walked back into my life. But of course, Jamie has brought the love of his life. So I have no doubt things are going to get awkward from there. But last time I looked, Jamie and Claire are on stable, okay ground, right? We, we got that from Turtle Soup. Now, a very interesting scene to me was between Willoughby and Margaret. This is where I thought it really showed why Willoughby and Claire, I think they're destined to be great friends. And she's already had the respect for him. And he certainly feels the same way about her. But... When he stepped in to talk to Margaret about the way her brother treats him, that's Claire. That's Claire right there. That's outspoken, saying things that shouldn't be said, and yet he can't bite his tongue. And I thought that was a very telling scene about what's to come for Willoughby and Claire, even though I think it could show a little bit with Margaret, too. Well, now going back to Claire and Lord John Gray, who find themselves together talking about Jamie and both— I pretty obviously, and we know obviously Claire's crazy about him. We know that John is crazy about Jamie, but I'm not sure that Claire realized it. But if she didn't, she knew it then. However, what I like about Lord John Gray is he's still truthful. He's still honorable, even offering up that she was the love that was his every heartbeat saying he went to look for you on Silky Island. Those are things that I'm not sure Claire needs to hear them, but they certainly don't hurt for her to know happened in that 20 years that she was gone. While they're doing that weird dance kind of around the Jamie territory, that's when Claire sees Galus and follows her outside. And what I loved about their whole interaction, nothing had changed in over 20 years. If you remember, when they when they first met, Galus was like an odd duck, and Claire didn't know whether she could trust her. And you know what? We still don't know. Well, OK, we know that she shouldn't. But on one hand, Claire is torn because this is the woman that saved her. She said, Claire's not a witch. I I am, burn me. And it's because of her that Claire is alive. On the other hand, Galus is still weird. She's still kind of a wackadoo. Which John and Jamie and Claire, when the three of them are talking with her, I mean, it is just blatantly obvious there. And she pounces on that Sapphire man. She sees it and the wheels are turning. The one thing you got to say about Galus, that chick is industrious. I mean, she got herself back 200 years. She figured out how to do it. She got a guy to save her from being burned at the stake by burning another woman. Like, she has got it. So figuring out how to get Lord John Gray Sapphire to tell a fortune, no problem. So we get that prophecy from Margaret. The sapphires are all together, and it's twice 1,200 moons. all this fancy talk basically saying that 200 years had to occur between conception and birth, and that child, who was 200 years old, would need to be killed in order for Scotland's king to get on the throne. Now, Galus doesn't know what that means, but we all do, and aren't we all kind of freaking out? Because you know, it's got to be Brie. But she's safely in the 20th century, so at least for now, hopefully Galus can't get her hands on her. What's interesting about this scene, too, is Galus slips, because you can tell she's super frustrated, and she talks about Benjamin Button. Now, that's a short story written in 1922. We've seen Claire do it before, but to see Galus that irritated and out of sorts, I think her frustration is what's going to be her downfall. Now, over under a tree, we see Fergus and Marsley getting a little bit frisky. What's so cool about them is that they are Claire and Jamie. That 20 years ago, this is what we saw when Claire and Jamie were riding around in Scotland, that they only had eyes for each other. They couldn't keep their hands off each other. And they've been in their own little bubble since they got married. But Fergus came up for air long enough to say, oh, my gosh, there's Captain Leonard. We've got to get out of here. And when he says that to Jamie, what's so telling in this scene he has go, then Marsley, and then Fergus, and then he's the last, even though Captain Leonard is looking for Jamie, not the other ones. Still, he's putting his wife and his children first, which comes back when they go to free their slave. Temeraire has said... Hey, look, I found out the information for you about Ian, which turns out, huh? big surprise, he's being trapped by Galus, which we knew. And they agree to set him loose in the mountains because that's where free slaves can live. Jamie is such an honorable man. Of course, he's going to make sure that's done before he puts himself into hiding. And when Captain Leonard follows him there, immediately Jamie puts his children in his wife's hands, giving her those portraits. So that takes us through the episode, but let's talk about the imagery of the number three in this episode. Of course, the three sapphires stands out. And the six prisoners that were in the holding cell initially being held by the Bakra. that three obviously uh, can be, you know, it it goes into six. (sighs) I can't believe, like, multiple, multiplier, you know what the word is. Uh, So I thought that was interesting that we've got a three there. Additionally... When Galus is telling Claire about the man that, he, that she married that was the plantation owner, well, you know what that means? It's the third husband for Galus because she had the guy in the 20th century. She had the dude that she killed with cyanide, and now you've got the plantation owner. Also, she was three months in the thief's hold waiting on that child to be born. The body that they switched out for Galus was three days dead. Again, there's a lot of threes in here. And even Jamie. Jamie is being put into prison for the third time this season. I mean, we've seen him in prisons in the past, but the third time in season three, We are getting Jamie locked up. The first time is when he met Lord John Gray in Ardsmere, and then he was locked up under the ship, and here we go. Freaking Leonard is taking him away for the third time. Like, can we stop putting Jamie behind bars? Like, it's just getting old, and I like it better when he's free and he gets to hang out with Claire, which we have one episode left. They had better make everything okay because, I mean, last season... Last season was a heartbreaker. It's not like we didn't know where it was going because that's how they opened season two was, oh, look, Claire's back in the 20th century. But I... I just kind of needed to leave on a happy ending this time around. Like, please, we've been through a lot this season. And given everything that they've just packed our heads in with this week, it was, I mean, am I the only one? I really was nervous the entire time. And I thought, what a great episode. Even without sexy times, it was still fantastic. I'm Carson. So glad that you stuck through me with this. I would love to hear your thoughts. Find me on Twitter at TalkAboutLander. And we will do this all again next week for the season finale. I know I'm not ready yet either.